Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, this is the day the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. It's Easter Sunday, y'all. Can we lift up a praise to the one who ransomed us and saved us and cleaned us up and did a work in our life? I am so grateful to serve a king that has power to get up. He is risen. Like, like that's, you know the proper response to that is somebody says he is risen. You know what the proper... He is risen indeed. I need you to confirm it back to me. I'm going to say he is risen. I just need you to say he is risen indeed. He has risen. Certainly the grave could not hold our Lord and our Savior down. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. Uh, on Friday night, we celebrated the resurrection, the, the death of Christ on, on Friday night in our Good Friday service. Shout out to everybody that came to that Good Friday service and shout out to those of you who participated uh, in that service. Uh, that, that's everybody from our speakers. We are grateful for Yolanda and for Nina and for Warner. Can we thank God for those that gave us the word of God? Had an amazing time. Uh, shout out to the tech team and Ed and everybody. You know, it's, it's not easy to have live stream going every service. And, you know, shout out to the tech team and our worship team and those who do sound and light. The stuff that y'all don't really see. The hospitality team. Can we thank God for the hospitality team? You know, we started a little bit late on Friday because it was just a production with so many little moving pieces. And so we started a little bit late and um, there was a group of people that were waiting to come in. We closed the door so nobody was able to come in. And I peeked outside and Jasmine, who was over our, our hospitality team, was outside playing games with everybody. Everybody was laughing. I was like, man, that's the, par the party's out there, not in here. Uh, but shout out to them and those who, who read the Delicia, Delicia. Uh, grateful for her and, and um, those who did the reenactment. We had Jesus with Jordans on. We, we did. We had uh, Mary was, was in full costume. Z was in full costume. Like Z had his feet out. Like that's, that's a different level. There was a moment where they kind of walked in. I was sitting right up here with Ty sitting and I looked down and I saw his feet and I started laughing because I'm a little, I'm not spiritual enough. And then he was talking to, to Mary. He was like, silence. And I thought he was talking to me. I was like, I'm sorry, bro. Full, full character mode, man. In scene. Uh, but it, it, it was good, man. We had a great time of worshiping Jesus together. And um, today we get to celebrate the, the resurrection. He died on Friday, but he got up. Baptist says early Sunday morning. He got up from the grave with all power in his hand. So do me a favor. Let's do it. Let's talk about the resurrection of Christ. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew. If you have no context of any familiarity with Scripture, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And once you get to Matthew, go to the very last chapter of the book of Matthew, which is uh, chapter 28. Uh, clearly, we are detouring this Sunday uh, for Easter, for the resurrection, we are detouring from our Daniel series. How many have been enjoying our Daniel series? It's been good to my soul. We are, um, we're taking a break from Daniel. We'll be back in it next week. Wanted to talk about what the resurrection means. It's, it's Easter Sunday. I, I put on my full Easter wear today. Did, did I do all right, y'all? Did I put it together? I, listen. I got some inspiration from online. I just was scrolling through some, some, some dudes that knew what they was doing. But I'm, 
You know, I grew up in a household that our, our parents for Easter, Easter was a big deal. They dressed us all the way up. Not, not like that. We were all the way up. We wore white socks, white shoes, all white. You know, we wore the bow tie and the cummerbund. Y'all don't know nothing about the cummerbund. But that's the kind of household I grew up in. So when Ty said, come as you are, you know, I said. And then, you know, last week, I was, I was trying to make, you know, us get more comfortable with understanding we need more salt and pepper saints. We need some older saints in the room. I said, it ain't good for a bunch of 20, 30, and 40-year-olds to be in a room with no, you know, no guidance, no older, you know, older folk. And so we were talking about that. And I didn't know if y'all was going to bring grandma or not today. And, you know, grandma just can't receive a word from a preacher with cut-ups and, and Yeezys on. So I said, let me put me on a little suit just in case grandma come to church today so she can get a word. <laughs> Chris told me, Chris said, you know, when you put that suit on, that means you're going to preach a, a, an extra hour. I was like, yeah, you're right. Something charismatic in me starts to stand up. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to worship Jesus with you guys today on Easter Sunday. Shout out to our children's ministry. Your kids are downstairs learning about Jesus. Like, I need a parent to just say amen right there. That your kids, <laughs> your kids are being taken care of and you are in here free. He who the sun set free. It's free indeed. All right, let's get to the word of God. I'm excited about preaching today. I, I love preaching on Easter Sunday. There's so many angles you can come from as it relates to the resurrection of Christ. Uh, but I think I, I saw something that that grabbed my attention earlier this week, and I think, I think it will serve us well. Pick me up in verse 1, Matthew 28. Y'all there? Everybody just say amen. amen. All right, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, meaning the, the, the mother of Jesus, went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Someone say these words with me. Someone say, for he is risen. Says, for he is risen, as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. Let me lift back up verse number six. He is not here. He is risen, as he said, come and see the place where he lay. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Come and See. Would you just look at your neighbor and just say, come and see. Look at somebody else and just say, come and see. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, we do thank you this morning for an empty tomb because the tomb is empty we are now filled we are filled with your spirit because you didn't only die for us but you've proven to us that you have all authority by rising up from the dead I love Paul's words in Romans chapter 8 if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us he who raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies and so we can have full confidence that we will rise with you because the tomb is empty and so we thank you oh God for conquering death we thank you for the work that you've done on the cross and would you I pray that the word of God today would bear its full weight on us may Jesus be proclaimed may he be celebrated and may he be worshiped because nobody is worthy of the praise like Jesus in Jesus name we pray amen come and see come and see 
So I, I've preached a, a, a few um, Easter's now. I kind of know the room. You know, first first year of pastoring, I wasn't sure who was in the room, so I didn't know how to you know handle Easter. But Easter, I think I, I think I got it now. I think I understand the room. Most of the room has trusted in Jesus, and you believe the tomb is empty. I just want to see show of hands who believes that the tomb is actually empty. It's most of the room. Now I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I also know that on Easter Sunday. You walk in and there are people that are skeptics and it's all good. Like we actually are glad that you are here. We know how hard it is to come into a place of worship and and worship a a Christ that's that visibly is not here. And it kind of seems weird. And so I kind of know the room We're, we're mixed a little bit. Some of you are here because you promised mom that you would go to church and Easter Sunday is just that Sunday that you go to church. Some of you are here because of the girl that you're sitting next to, you're trying to get her, know her a little bit better. And she's like, yeah, you, we ain't going no further unless you come to church. And so you say, Easter's a Sunday, baby. I'm coming. I'm going to church. And that's what brought you here. Whatever. We, we not mad. Some of you have no clue how you got here. You were promised brunch. And then you just showed up to church. Look at your neighbor and just say, got him. We got you in here. Look, bro, you here already. You might as well enjoy yourself because you're here for the next you know, hour or so. Some of you that are skeptics are looking around the room and you think we're all foolish. You think we're brainwashed. You think we're crazy. You believe that somebody actually got up from the dead. Something, something is wrong with all of y'all. And so you're looking around the room and going, I just can't wait for this thing to be over because it's just, it's just weird. You know, I, I've learned that people have really begun to pride themselves on being doubters. And I'm not just talking about faith. I'm talking in general. People pride themselves on being skeptics. You know, I don't take nothing at face value. And, and I just I wonder if I can press on you for just a little bit. Would you be willing for the next 40 minutes to doubt your doubts? I just wonder if your doubts are the only thing that you've never doubted. And I know you sitting here going, yeah, but brother preacher, you know, what about you? You ever doubted, you know, your faith? You ever doubted what you believe? I, I would say absolutely. Not only absolutely, I think my faith gives me room to doubt. You know, Paul will say it in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourself to see if you are of the faith. So every time that I doubt my core convictions, those things that I believe, every time I doubt the cross and I doubt the goodness of God and I search the scriptures, I always leave after doubting more confident than when I came in. Because whenever I search the scriptures, it always points me not to loopholes, but to more confidence in my king. Every time I doubt, I always look back and be like, oh, yeah, that tomb is really empty. Every time I doubt, I'm going, oh, yeah, God is really good. Every time I doubt, I go, oh, yeah, I do. I am going to spend eternity with Jesus. Why? Because I believe in the word of God. We all have to make a different decision. I believe that those of you who are in the room and you came in and you're skeptical. Again, I preach a lot of Easter's. I, I know you're in here. If you came in the room today and you're skeptical, I think you should make a decision today. Because we all have to come to the conclusion at some point of making a decision. And there is no more important decision like whether you believe in the tomb. And what I found out, Z, is that the, the, the tomb, you don't, it, there's no middle ground. You either believe it or you don't. There's no place for you to be like, ah, I don't know. You, then you don't know. But you can't, you can't find that middle ground. You either believe it or you don't. And I think that everybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, you need to make a decision. We all got those decisions, whether it's political, whether you're going to vote for, you know, Republican Party, Democratic Party or Kanye. You got to make a decision at some point. 
Whether you going, you know, whether you believe, you know, Jordan, Michael Jordan is the GOAT or you believe LeBron James is the GOAT. By the way, who, who, who y'all got in the room, Michael Jordan or, or, or LeBron? How many hands would say Michael Jordan? How many hands would say LeBron? Ah, I just got a word from the Lord. Hold on. I, I just, Lord, I heard you. I feel a prophetic spirit. You, you know how, uh, you know, Bishop Jake, shh, 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 I feel the spirit. I think I just heard God say, LeBron's the GOAT. Let's keep it moving. I don't care, bro. I got the mic, bro. Oh, y'all done messed me up. Who did that? Ed? Ed, go home. What you doing in here? That's messed up. They knew I was going to say that. Doesn't matter what picture they put up. I heard from the Lord. And y'all going here. I knew he was a daggone, you know, I knew he was a lion prophet. You all have to make a decision at some point. And I would say that your political leanings or your athletic preferences really isn't the decision that you need to make. That, that, don't, that doesn't matter. That doesn't, that doesn't change anything. What you believe about the tomb changes everything. What you believe about the tomb impacts every aspect of your life. And so I, I would just ask you for the next 40 minutes, would you do me a favor and just wrestle a little bit? You already here, bro. Sis, you already here. Are we friendly? We, 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 we loving. We just ask that you would doubt your doubts today. And so we come to a passage where we get let in on the angel's statement. Now, many times when people are preaching about the resurrection of Christ, they deal with so many aspects. You can deal with, you know, the road to Emmaus and Luke. Uh, 24, you can, you, you, know, you can deal with you know, the eyes of the, the, through the Marys, you can deal with the doubting disciples. There's so many aspects that you can deal with as it relates to the resurrection. Today, I want to deal with the angel's statement. Not just the statement that the angel makes, but I think the angel gives us real clarity on this thing called the empty tomb. Now, let's be clear. I just want to give some context. The Bible says that Mary and Mary, as Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, both run to the tomb on Sunday morning. And when they, when they get there, the tomb is empty. They did not go there thinking the tomb would be empty. They got there fully expecting that a body would be there. How do I know this? Because if you connect not just this passage, but Mark 16, 1, Mark 16 says that when they got there, they had spices. Why do you have spices? Because they thought a body was there. What were they coming to do to finish the embalming process? They were coming to anoint the body of Jesus. They were coming to prepare the body of Jesus. And, and, and so they get there expecting because they have a handful of spices. They get there and Jesus is not there. They're confused. They're worried. They're, con they're, they're concerned. But then the angel says something beautiful. Verse 5 and verse 6, do not be afraid, for I know that who you are looking for, Jesus Christ who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said, come and see. So for the next few minutes, I just want to discuss and dissect four aspects of what the angel said. Four. In fact, they're going to pop up on the screen. Number one, the resurrection should produce fearless Christians. Number two, from the angel's words, the resurrection proves that Jesus has power. Number three, the resurrection validates the words of Jesus. And finally, number four, he invites us all to come and see. If you are taking notes, that's, this is a good, place to, a good place to take notes. The resurrection should produce fearless Christians. The resurrection should prove that Jesus has power. The resurrection validates all of the words of Jesus. And he invites us all to come and see. Let's deal with the first one. Y'all good? We'll deal with the first one. The resurrection should produce fearless Christians. Look at verse number five. 
It says, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. The angel begins to calm the fears of these women. And of course, he's doing so because, you know, of his appearance. And whenever an angel showed up in scripture, in fact, I want you to do that devotional this week. Look at every passage that an angel showed up. Whenever an angel showed up, humans were met with fear, trembling fear. Do you know that the Bible just said that the guards saw the angel and and dropped like dead men? So these women see the presence of this angel and the Bible says that the angel has an appearance of all white and white clothes and was white as snow. And, you know, it was like lightning and the guards were all shaken up. And so, of course, the angel is trying to calm these women down, which is so interesting to me that the men drop like dead men because the one inside the tomb is alive and he's supposed to be dead. And the ones on the outside of the tomb are supposed to be alive and God dropped them like dead men. It shows the massive nature of our God, because whenever you search the scriptures and see angels and you see humans in fear of angels, do you know that angels are in fear of the Lord? Isaiah chapter six says it best, says that there are these angels and they fly around. They have six wings and two of them, they cover their feet because nothing unclean can be in the presence of our God. With two of them, they cover their face because no one can look at the presence of God And with the other two, they're the first ones that just have a hook. They don't have a lot of words to their song. They just go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Don't miss this. Humans are afraid of angels. Angels bow before our God. And so the Bible says that this angel appears and an earthquake shakes and the angel comes and he sits down on top of the stone and he begins to calm their fears. He says, do not fear, but more broader than his appearance. I want us to understand that if the tomb is empty, we have nothing in life to fear. Don't just don't just take this and say, oh, you know what? He's talking about his appearance. Let's broaden it just a little bit. He's talking about if the tomb is empty, everything in life, nothing you have to fear. So the empty tomb should produce courage. The empty tomb should produce boldness. It should produce fortitude. It should produce bravery. Look at your neighbor and just do me a favor and say, what are you afraid of? The daggone tomb is empty. What, what, tell somebody, what are you afraid of? You, don't, you can church, it's okay. The daggone tomb is empty. Why are we afraid? And I believe that some of you walked in this room and you're gripped with fear and you're at a standstill and you can't make a decision because you are afraid in life. But if the tomb is empty, I ain't got to be timid. If, if God got up from the grave, I ain't got to be passive. I don't have to be scared. I don't have to lack confidence. I actually can go through this life and not be afraid. So that bad diagnosis doesn't bring fear. An opportunity to watch Jesus flex even over a bad diagnosis. I wonder if we would change our perspective. The tomb, uh, the tomb being empty changes my perspective of everything, including that bad diagnosis. I wonder if that fi- financial issue that you are having, don't be afraid. The tomb is empty, baby. I wonder if you if you whatever that situation is that you got going on in life and you ain't tell nobody about it and it's keeping you up at night. You ever been there where you were up at night? You were physically in the bed, but you couldn't turn your mind off. And your mind was going and your mind was going. Get you some sleep. The tomb is empty. And because the tomb is empty, I don't have to fear because if God is able to roll the stone away, he's able to open that door. God is able to roll the stone away. He's able to deal with that situation. If God is able to roll the stone away, he's either able to heal you or he's able to sustain you in the midst of sickness. Can we praise God for rolling the stone away? I don't have to fear. 
Getting laid off doesn't produce fear in me. It produces an opportunity for me to see that God is a provider. The bad diagnosis doesn't produce fear in me. It gives me an opportunity to see that God heals me. If he raised Jesus from the dead, he can deal with my situation. Uh, it's a good theologian, Ty Tribbett, that said if he did it before, he can do it again. If he rose from the dead, don't tell me he can't heal cancer. If he rose from the dead, don't tell me he can't deal with your situation. I know it feels unbearable and you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. But I think the angel's words to Mary and Mary have come to give you solace. Do not be afraid. I feel fear running out of here. I feel that somebody came in here and you have been shaken up and it seems like the chaos around you has really knocked you off your guard. Get back in your place. Clean yourself off, dust yourself off, and go ahead and get back at it because the tomb is empty. Somebody say, the tomb is empty. You serve a risen Savior, do not fear. You serve a risen Savior, don't be wimpy. You serve a risen Savior, don't be weak in your faith. If anything, it should bolden you. So point number one, the, 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 the angel calms their fears. The resurrection should produce fearless Christians. But also, number two, the resurrection proves that Jesus has power. Look back with me at verse number five. It says, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. This is the sweetest news for a believer, that God in the flesh has rose. The tomb is empty. And here's what happens. You know, uh, I, I don't know if Warner's in here, but man, Warner did a phenomenal job kind of laying out uh, some of the skeptics and, and what people believe about, you know, about the resurrection of Christ. And, you know, one of the there, there's one school of thought that believes that the disciples all got together in some joint conspiracy and decided to steal the body of Jesus. But how impossible do you know that there is at least three deterrents in the text, at least three deterrents in Matthew 28, but also in Matthew 27? One of them is the stone. A lot of times, you know, we, we don't understand. First of all, the stone was never rolled away so that Jesus can get out. He doesn't need to do that. He, he, you know, when he died, he has the ability to appear and, and disappear, which is why he just shows up to the disciples. And the Bible says that the door was locked. So he doesn't need to roll the stone away to get out. He rolls the stone away so you can get in and see. See, that is empty. So the stone would have been a great detourant. Because nobody, no human is able to walk up, and it's not a pebble. Nobody can just get up and move the stone, which is why when I talked about the spices between the two Marys, in Mark 16, when they're walking, do you know that they're arguing, who's going to move the stone? How are we going to get the stone out? With the bodies inside, how are we going to get the stone out the way? And which is further proof that they believe that the body was still inside and that the stone was still sealing the tomb. So the Romans would have put a stone in place and nobody's able to just move that stone. The second deterrent is a Roman seal. So in the previous chapter, Matthew 27, y'all stay with me. The Bible says Pontius Pilate, the governor of Rome, would have put a seal on top of the, the tomb. And that seal would have been a great deterrent because anybody knew that if you remove Pontius Pilate control over that tomb, you were signing your death warrant. If you remove Pontius Pilate's seal, you might as well say, go ahead and kill me because that was a sign of Rome's strength. So first you have the stone. Nobody can move that out the way. Then you have the Roman seal. But do you know we have Roman soldiers there? Now in the text, they look a little wimpy and they look a little weak in the text. They dropping like dead men. But they're a sign of Rome's military power. And nobody walked up in the street and just messed with Roman soldiers. And so in the text, don't miss this. 
one of them trying to get past one would have been impossible. Trying to get past all three by a human being would have never worked. But here's why I worship Jesus. When I talk about Jesus being uh, authoritative and he has all authority, he has more authority than Pontius Pilate because when he gets up, he removes the seal. When he gets up, God moves the stone, which no man can move. God does stuff that no man can do. He takes the Roman soldiers, which all of us in this room would have been scared of, and drops them like dead men. And what's so dope about Jesus is after he completes the work of salvation, after he removes the seal, removes the stone, drops them like dead men. Do you know the Bible tells me that he folded up his clothes? Do you know how dope that is? First of all, you just you just got brutally beat. You got tortured. You got hung on a cross and he still cleaned up. I need my son to say amen. He still cleaned up. I need somebody else need to receive that word as well. If Jesus can do all of that. You can clean up that room. Somebody say amen right there. (laughs) Jesus folds up his clothes. He washes us white as snow, and then he keeps washing, and he folds up the clothes. And so we don't have a weak Savior. We don't have a passive Savior. The text says he ain't here. He has risen. On Friday, he was there. On, On Friday, it was clear to me that Jesus entered into this thing called absorbing the wrath of God as a lamb. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that he was like a lamb before it sheared. He was silent. He didn't open up his mouth. He seemed passive. And he was a lamb on Friday. But how many know Baptists say early Sunday morning he was a lion? He was quiet on Friday. But on Sunday, he got up with all power in his hands. He might have not said a mumbling word on Friday, But on Sunday, he got up and made some noise. And this is why I don't understand quiet Christianity. This is why I don't understand us sitting in a room and watching the worship as though it's entertainment. We serve a God that made a lot of noise. The Bible just said there was an earthquake when the angel came. The Bible says that the veil was torn in two when Jesus died. We serve a massive God that has all power. In fact, the uh, the end of this chapter... He's going to talk to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Do you know what he says? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. If Jesus has all authority, once again, why are we afraid? What are we afraid of if Jesus is like, yo, I got all authority? And so I don't know what you came in here with and how weak you feel, but what you don't have strength for, Jesus is strong enough for. What stone is in your life, Jesus can roll it away. What you are anxious about, Jesus has power over it. That hardship that you're dealing with, Jesus has authority over it. This is why we should not fear. Point number one, the resurrection should produce fearless Christians. Point number two, the resurrection proves that Jesus has power. He's not here. He is risen. Point number three, the resurrection validates the very words of Jesus. Y'all still rocking with me? Watch what verse six says. It validates what Jesus said. He is not here for he is risen as he said. The greatest miracle of the resurrection is not just that Jesus rose. The greatest miracle of the resurrection is that he rose and he said he would. That's what messes me up about our savior. It's not that just that he died and then rose in three days, but that he died and rose and he said he was going to do it. 
And if he said he was going to do it, by the way, do you know six times in the book of Matthew, he predicted that he would rise? Six times. And so when, when, that, when, when, the, when the women get there, he calms their fears. He said, he's not here. He is risen. But then he wants to help them to understand and be convinced. And you know what he says? Look at the words of your Savior. He already said he would do this. And so if, if, if Jesus said he would do it, and then he did it, can we agree that affirms everything else he said? I got to work here. If Jesus said that he would rise and if Jesus said he would rise and he didn't rise, can we agree we don't have to trust anything else he says? But if he did rise, I trust every single word that Jesus says. Let me broaden it. I don't just trust every word that Jesus says. But if the tomb is empty, I trust all of the words. Because all of the word points me to this work of the cross. The Old Testament is pointing to this thing that's coming, that this Savior, this from Genesis, from, from Genesis 3, soon as Adam and Eve fell, they're like, he's going to send a deliverer. He, he's going to send one that's going to redeem you and restore things back the way they were. And so the old, old Testament is waiting for this Messiah, this Messiah, this Messiah. 400 years of so-called silence and a man eating bugs and honey is standing and he looks and he sees on the bank of the Jordan River and he says, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. The gospels then show me the life of Jesus. After Jesus dies, you know, the rest of the, the New Testament points me back to this work of the cross. And so in other words, All of the Bible finds its fulfillment in this person and this work of Jesus Christ. And so in other words, if the tomb is empty, I believe everything in the Bible, every part of anybody that trusts in the word of God, that the word of God is trustworthy, that is that is true, that it's reliable. And this is why each week. I plead with God, God, open up this word for us. Help us to understand your word. We don't, we don't need circus and candy. We don't need opinion. We need your word. Why do we need your word? Because the tomb is empty. Let me see if I can make sense of this. The reason why I don't lose my mind when I lose my job is because I believe the word. Well, what does the word say, Pastor B? Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. I trust Matthew's words in Matthew 6 because the tomb is empty. I don't know if this is making sense. The the reason I am able to overcome sin sin is because I understand that Paul tells me in Galatians chapter 5, don't walk uh, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The reason I can stop that cycle of sin is because I trust the word. The reason I trust the word is because the tomb is empty. The reason I don't walk around here and let anxiety take me out is because I trust the word. What does the word tell me, Pastor B? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious for anything. The reason I know that I can conquer this life is because Paul tells me in Romans chapter 8, I'm just giving y'all the word. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I trust the word because I trust that the tomb is empty. Don't tell me you trust that the tomb is empty and you don't trust the word. It's an oxymoron. You can't say, I, I believe that Jesus rose, but I don't believe all the scripture and you don't believe Jesus rose. Because if you truly believe Jesus rose, you would believe in the scriptures. Why? Because Jesus rose and he said he would. That messes me up. It messes me up that he's able to predict it. Write this down. I said it already, but I need you to write it. The greatest miracle of the resurrection is not just that he rose, but that he said he would. Let me say that again. The greatest miracle of the resurrection is not just that he rose, but that he said 
he would. If he said it and he did it, I trust everything in Scripture. All 66 books, all 40 writers written on three different continents in three different languages, all pointing me to the centrality of Jesus. And here is why we come here and we hear the word and it points us to Jesus every single week because he fulfilled Scripture. How did he fulfill Scripture? Because the tomb is empty. Y'all are making me work this morning. It's an oxymoron to doubt the truthfulness of scripture and believe in an empty tomb. Doesn't mix. It's oil and vinegar. Doesn't work together. So the resurrection should produce fearless Christians. The angel says, do not fear. The resurrection proves that Jesus has all power. He is not here. He is risen. The resurrection validates the words of Jesus. He rose. This is what the angel says, just as he said. And finally, he invites us all to come and see. Pick me back up at verse 6. By the way, Dave is here, y'all. Dave is our original member. He moved out to London, disobedient to the Lord, but the Lord brought him on back this morning. Look at verse 6. He says in verse 6, he is not here for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Let me say that again. Come and see the place that he lays. Do you know that you just got an invitation not to jump on a flight and go to Jerusalem, but to look in the empty tomb through the scriptures. Come and see. Ty is right. I, I, I talk about this Jerusalem trip all the time because it, it did something to my heart. In fact, Ty, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm not just talking about it. The tech team, there we go. That's me in the tomb. <laughs> That's the actual tomb of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, 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 and you know, by God's grace, it kind of just worked out because it was a line of people. It was crowded trying to get in. And I just I got there at the right time because when I went inside the tomb, I was able to sit inside the tomb for five minutes uninterrupted. Do you know the worship that went on in there? But can I tell you why I worship? Beloved, I worship because Jesus wasn't there. If his body was there, this picture would look a lot different. If his body was there, I would have lost my mind. I would have had a complete meltdown. Y'all, Ty would have had to come and get me. If, this, if Jesus' body was inside, if Jesus was in there going, yo, what's up? How was your flight? If Jesus was inside, this picture, I would have been on the outside of the tomb crying, having a meltdown with a cigarette in my mouth, some scotch in my hand, and some edibles. Oh, come on. I, I feel an edible spirit in the room. Y'all got some edibles in the room. I feel it. I told y'all I'm prophetic. I feel it in here. The reason I ain't sitting outside with edibles is because Jesus ain't in the tomb. And because he's not in the tomb, I'm edible free. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> y'all stupid. I'm serious, though. I... I the reason I have so much joy, even leaving outside of this picture, is because the tomb is empty. How do I know the tomb is empty? Here's what the angel said. Come on in here and see. He invites you, and I want to invite you. Remember those skeptics I were talking about? I know you're in the room, and I asked you to, to just doubt your doubts for 40 minutes. What I want you to do next is come and see. And after you came and see, came and see, came and saw, maybe I did have some edibles this morning. <laughs> After you came and saw, the next step is to go and live. The next step after that is to go and tell. Thank you, Yolanda. Go and tell. You can't come and see and not be changed all on the inside. Like, I ain't joking. It's ain't hyperbole. I really, 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 really love Jesus. 
and I want to live my life for him, and I want to tell people about him. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Come and see. Pastor B, what are you, what are you inviting me to come and see? I'm, I'm inviting you to come and see the one who died for my sins. I'm inviting you to come on and see the one who lived a life that none of us could ever live. What is that life? Perfection. Let me just do it. Let me just do it. Anybody in the room perfect? Like never, you never made a mistake. You never lied. You never did anything wrong. No. Okay. So the, the room is, if Jesus was in here, he would have his hands up and his toes up because he was perfect. And he lived a life that I couldn't live. When I say come and see, I'm asking you to come and see the one who after he lived that life gave you that righteousness. He gave you that perfect life. And after he gave you that perfect life, do you know he absorbed all of my sin? That's my past sin. Z, that's my present sin. But he died for sins I ain't even commit yet. That's how deep he is. And what messes me up about the cross is not that just that Jesus died, but that he died as a substitute was that he died in my place. In other words, I should have been on the cross. But the reason I'm not on the cross is because Jesus has already taken care of the work for me called salvation. I need somebody that know you a sinner to just worship Jesus in this room. Like if you know you got real, like real sin, worship Jesus because he absorbed it all. Come and see. Come and see. Just peeking. I know you won't got all your answers. I know you still got more questions. I know you wrestling still. Shoot, I don't got all the answers. I'm still wrestling. But here's what I know. I trust in the Lord. And the reason I trust the Lord is because he got up. Come and see. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know who it is in this room. You walked in fearful. You walked in timid and you walked in a skeptic. Maybe you're that one that you were promised brunch and you just showed up here. Listen, brunch will be better if you meet Jesus today. I'm not joking. I'm dead serious. Jesus makes everything sweeter. And I'm going to pray for somebody today. Somebody that came in here. See, the beautiful, the, the, not beautiful, the crazy thing about salvation and coming and seeing is there actually is an expiration date on it. You know, John says in John chapter 7, verse 34, you will seek me and you will not find me. It's going to become a point where he comes back. And by the way, he said he would die and he died. That means he also said he's coming back and he will come back. You don't want him to come back and you haven't came and saw and went and lived and went and told. Who is it in this room that wants to give your life to Jesus? Today's the day. You know, Jesus says stuff like, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Today is the day. That decision I was talking about that impacts everything, that decision should be made today. You know why? You know, they used to say tomorrow's not promised. Bump that. If COVID ain't teach us nothing else, today ain't promise. The next hour ain't promise. He could either come back now or we could walk in the street and drop dead in the middle of the street. Do you know where you will spend eternity? Do you know? I'm going to pray for somebody that doesn't know Jesus in this room. If that's you, if that's you, today's the day. Raise your hand. I pray that your whole week would be messed up if you don't, if you don't give your life to the Lord today. That's my prayer. Your phone will blow up. Your fingers will cramp up. This is an important decision. The tomb is empty. 
And because the tomb is empty, why are we not fully running after Jesus? Who in this room wants to give their life to the Lord? I just want to pray with you and point you to some help. If that's you, if you walked in here and you go, you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a follower. I've been trusted in Jesus. Just raise your hand. The next group I want to pray for is, is people that you know that you really, you've trusted in Jesus, but you haven't been following him. You came and saw a long time ago, but you walked out and you lived in your way. And I'm not even, I'm not necessarily talking about sin, because sometimes I think we, we, you know, we beat people up like you, you know, went out in full life of sin, drink, cussing, smoking. That's not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who've loosened up their relationship with the Lord. You're just not as on fire like you used to be. You don't really read your word like you used to. You don't get in community and get discipleship. You haven't submitted yourself to discipleship. You know, kind of live this life of eat, drink, and be merry. Today, you need to make a decision. I want to tighten up my relationship because here's the thing about your relationship with the Lord. It's always strong on his end. If there's a, 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 a default in the relationship, it's always us. It's never him. He's always there, faithful and strong, and we are always feeble and weak, and we need him to strengthen us and strengthen us. So this idea of coming and seeing isn't just for those of you who don't know the Lord. This idea of coming and seeing is also for those of you who have trusted in the Lord. And what it should do is build up your confidence. I just want to pray. This is the last service of the day. I simply want to pray for the person that knows that you've trusted in Jesus, but you haven't been walking with him. And he has a work for you. He's put a lot in you. And he wants to get it out today. Can, look, no, no, nothing spooky. Everybody, if that's you, if you know that you want to tighten up that relationship with the Lord, if you just come down to this altar so we can pray together. Come on down here. Thank you for coming, brothers. I see y'all. Thank y'all for being bold. Thank you for coming. If that's you, come on down. Come down to the altar. Let's fill it up, y'all. Put it all up in here. Let's pray together. All of us at some point have had to come down to this altar. All of us have had to say, I need to tighten up that relationship. And I'm not just talking to those of you who just came to church and are sitting. I'm talking to those of you who are serving. We're serving on empty. Listen, the tomb is empty. I should be empty. I should be full. Thank you for coming. I see you. Come on down. We can, y'all can fill up in these aisles if we have to. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. You've been playing with God. And again, it's not a deep life of sin. It's just an ignorance of his goodness. Thank you for coming. Everybody on this altar, look at me for one second. There is so much that the Lord has put in each and every one of you. So much. And he has a work for you. He has a work for you. I want you to believe that. Every one of you. Will, I see you down here, bro. Every one of you, he has a work for you. And what, what could happen is you could walk back from this altar and go out and be on fire and draw people to you. You know the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, it says, only let your manner of life be counted worthy of the gospel. Your lives should reflect the gospel. And the reality is, again, some of you ain't in no deep sin. Some of you are, bro. You look a little shady up here. I'm just, I'm just joking. Some of you, it's not deep sin. It's just a loosening of your faith. You've kind of walked away. Hey, babe. 
Every head bow. Father, I thank you for every person that came on this altar. Thank you for them having the boldness to come down here, but the reality is the altar is in their heart. You meet them in their heart where they are. And so, Father, would you begin to birth those first works out? You know, Father, when we first met you and we were on fire and we were serious about our relationship and we were convicted by things that were against you and somewhere along the line, we begin to loosen up. Somewhere along the line, we begin to take a left turn. And you were so gracious this morning that you give us the ability to start over. That you give us the ability to press reset. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's on this altar because each and every person represents a story. They, they represent a situation. Each and every person on this altar dwells in different spheres of life. And so, Father, I pray that the, the fire that you would birth in them wouldn't just be inside the church, but we'd see them on fire at work and around their friends and around their family members in the places they live and the streets that they live the places they dwell father do a work in their lives and so father they may have came down and said I, I i need to tighten up our relationship with you but father on your end you're going it's tight on my end i'm glad you're back and now that you're back none can pluck them out of my hand you might you might stray a minute but it's like the sheep i always put you back on my shoulders and i bring you back to the fold and so father may we may we be excited again may we have joy again may we have purpose again may you speak to us again in clarity i really believe that many of us have been clogged hearing from you because we've been kind of living our on our own terms but father remove the spiritual earwax so that you can speak to those that are on this altar there's a mighty work that can break out in this city and cities around here if we all begin to discern and listen to you and so father everybody on this altar touch them touch their hearts now touch their minds now i pray that their whole squad would come to know you because they're on their jobs i pray that their whole family would get to know you because they're on their jobs i pray that the next generation would know you because they're on their jobs father it's people on this altar that's not just from brooklyn there's people on this altar that's not just from this country there are people on this altar that can make global impact. And so, Father, do the work, oh God. Help us to know that we are intricate parts. That, we're, that, that you didn't save them to be private saints. But you saved them so that they can be ambassadors. You saved them so that they can be salt and light. And after a while, we begin to dim down that light. So I thank you, oh God, that you are reigniting it today. That you are doing a work today in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, we give all glory and we thank you for the testimonies that will be birthed from this altar. I can't wait to hear them. Thank you for the testimonies and the new purpose and the new, new direction that you're going to birth. In Jesus' name, I give all glory and honor. Somebody say amen.